Uh, welcome back to the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. Our topic today is funding Alberta's municipalities, and our speaker is Glenn Taylor, the leader of the Alberta Party. I must remind you again that these sessions are being recorded, and you can watch the presentation. Glenn's presentation you can watch in full on Shore TV on Sunday afternoon at 4.30, as well as listen to the full session, including the question and answer period, on the SAGPA website at www.sagpa.ca. And you can continue the debate on the SAGPA website by posting questions or comments. I must acknowledge the University of Lethbridge for its support and the media for its coverage of SAGPA sessions, as well as Country Kitchen Catering for once again serving up a great lunch. Next week's topic is wind power and the fallacies of bats, birds and the breeze. And the speaker is Kim Hodgson. Sorry? Chris Hodgson. It says Kim on my paper, but thank you for that correction. Uh, and now let me invite Glenn Taylor back to the podium for the question and answer session. Uh, <clears throat> Questioners, uh, please use the microphone. The microphone's right over there. Uh, state your name before asking your question and keep your preamble brief. Well, thank you for a wonderful lunch, Sackpa. I enjoyed being here. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Thank you. Please. <laughs> okay, first question, please. Is it on now? Yes. Okay. Uh, thank you for your talk. We were discussing... My name is Frances Schultz. We were discussing at our table trying to figure out exactly what you were saying about the collection of municipal taxes. Because I think most of us know that the education tax portion goes directly to Edmonton, yes. but you talked about only 8% coming back to municipalities. Does our property tax go to Edmonton as well? Could you clarify that, please? Uh, short answer is yes. Uh, out, of, out of a dollar that's collected from taxpayers, and that includes all forms of taxation, 92 cents goes to the federal and provincial government. Only 8 cents of each dollar comes back to municipalities through various mechanisms, various funds, various grants, various programs, uh, including the, uh, the monies that are collected at a local level in municipality. That's the breakdown. Quite shocking, isn't it? So our, our municipal taxes go to Edmonton? When you pay a property tax on your tax bill, 50% yes. of that is municipal taxes which stay in your municipality. 50% of that, you know, give a point something or other, um, goes to Edmonton, ostensibly for education, 
it goes into general revenues and then monies are distributed through the general provincial budget. But yes, half the taxes that you pay on property owned. Now we need to be clear, that's uh, residential property. Um, there's a different regime. That's why we're also referencing we need to revisit the assessment process itself because there are many properties that are simply not assessed. So rather than getting a very visible tax break, for whatever reason, stimulate economic development, encourage business growth, those kinds of things, they actually don't assess them to their full value. And so often, for example, machinery and equipment in the energy and oil fields isn't assessed so they don't pay any portion of the education tax, which of course has to get paid by somebody, which generally gets paid by homeowners or residential assessment base. And, and this is also true for, like, rural, for farm property. Yes. Although, again, farmers have different exemptions for different reasons. So, uh, and I'm not, I'm not absolutely certain which exemptions farmers get, but of the taxes that you pay in your municipal boundaries, where uh, municipalities are required by law, both urban and rural, to collect the education tax based on the assessed value of the property that's assessed for that taxation. Okay, next question, please. Bonnie May. Uh, I'm from this community of Lethbridge, and we're concerned about uh, fracking chemicals coming mm -hmm. downstream and about what our city might do about it. Mm -hmm. So if it was your community, yes, and you thought there might be some industrial chemicals coming downstream, what would you do? Well, I can tell you what I've done. Um, but let me, if you don't mind, I'll just premise my response a little bit so you can have a little bit of an understanding of where I come from in this answer. My community of Hinton, we earn our living from the land, but not in the traditional sense of farming. We're a, we're a lumber mill, pulp mill, coal mining community. We've been doing this for over 100 years. Uh, so we, are, we earn our living from the land by extracting the natural resources that are there. And most recently, within the last five years, the energy companies have discovered the eastern slopes of these Rockies. And uh, we also understand our responsibilities as stewards of the land that we earn our living from. So we've taken very strong action in the areas that we do have control over as a municipality. So, for example, um, the Energy Resources Board does not pay a lot of attention to municipal uh, folks that are stepping up on behalf of their citizens. The relationship simply doesn't exist for a municipality to act as an intervener. That needs to change. The idea that we're not allowed to weigh in, and when I say we, I'm talking about municipal government, are not allowed to weigh in on an application that's happening outside their municipal boundaries even though you might have an impact within your municipal boundaries as a result of that, I find, quite frankly, appalling. Because it's not limited to just the impact on the land where that well is being drilled or where the fracking is taking place. An example of that is a community that I'm somewhat familiar with, which is this, the municipality of Edson, which is one of the few communities left in Alberta of significant size that still relies on an aquifer. They have wells for their water. They don't take their water from a river. And yet they're surrounded by energy activity. And it's one of the most active areas in Alberta for this new um, multi-directional drilling and fracking processes. There's a concern about the potential impact on their drinking water for an entire community. And yet under the format today, there is very little, very limited opportunity for them to have a say on their concerns regarding the fracking that's taking place outside their municipal boundaries. So my answer is this. And this is an Alberta Party perspective, and it is one of the policies that we've released for um, public consumption. This is actually one of the most challenging things about how the Alberta Party is developing policy. We wanted to release our energy policy at the same time we release our environment policy. Because in Alberta, those are not two different conversations. 
They're two sides of the same coin. You can't talk about energy without talking about the impact on the environment. You certainly shouldn't talk about energy without the understanding of the impact on the environment. And you also shouldn't be talking about either one of those two without a fully understanding of the impact on our economy. So these are inseparable items here. That being said, what we believe is that you need to make, you need to understand and respect the energy economy drives the economy of the province of Alberta. I make no apologies for that. But we have an opportunity to use the energy economy today to build the energy future of tomorrow, and that's a responsibility that we have to embrace. But we're avoiding those conversations. Who better than Alberta? We've got an innate understanding, an immense amount of science and scientists. We've got the universities and abilities, if we're willing to have those conversations about how we utilize the resources of today to build a better tomorrow and change the Alberta energy economy of tomorrow to reflect the environmental realities. So, what we're learning, and these also need to be policy-based decisions that are based in scientific, rigorous analysis and study, not just a flight of fancy by an elected official. This has to be real and meaningful, not unlike the decisions that we were talking about at our table, where Dr. Schindler put forward some concerns regarding the water up in the oil sands area. And while he was denigrated for bringing forth his scientific findings, he was found to be valid. We need to start from that position rather than from one of resistance so that we can build this future together. We're learning down in the state, so thank you. I'll, I'll accept that's very small, limited applause. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> but what we're learning is the frack industry down, in, or the industry, the shale gas industry down in the states, what they are finding out today, as I understand it, I'm not a scientist, don't pretend to be one, um, is that the fracking processes are causing challenges with their water aquifers. We need to learn from that. We have a different type of landscape here in Alberta, so that's, that's okay. The, you know, fracking through the northern Canadian Rockies is probably considerably different, but we have to understand that as well. So it's not a matter of saying no, and I want to be clear about that. That might stifle any small applause. It's a matter of saying how, and it has to be based on rigorous scientific analysis and what's in the best interest of both. These are not inseparable conversations. Okay, thank you. Next You're question, welcome. please. My name is Tom Kane, and I've appreciate that you're looking at this from a broad perspective and how we would better disperse the money that comes in. But there's one area, I don't think we get enough money from the uh, royalties on the tar sands. And you were talking about how you do, do you distribute tax money. I don't think they pay, the corporations that invest in the tar sands pay enough royalties to Albertans. Um, would you look to get more royalties? Would the Alberta Party look to get more royalties from the tar sands? And then in keeping with discussions about how you have uh, energy and corporations work together, would you then take some of that money and have it as incentives for renewable energy at the municipality level? Um, municipal level. Okay. Thank you, Tom. And Tom, actually, we were having a conversation. He said he was going to be moderating next week so he wouldn't get up to the mic, but I respect your ability to do so. It's a democratic society. <laughs> um, a couple supposed of things. to say that. <laughs> Sorry, Tom. I'm an open and accountable and transparent kind of guy. Um, a, couple of, a couple of responses there. First off, I think it's important to understand that there are many, many lessons that could be learned at a provincial government from the municipal government level. Municipalities are indeed the ones that are taking leadership action on environmental initiatives. Whether it's the town of Okotoks that has managed to 
reduce its water consumption by 3%, I believe, or 5%, or reduce its greenhouse gas emissions by 5%, whether it's the City of Edmonton that is actively working on urban farming issues and land planning initiatives, whether it's the City of Calgary and what they're doing to reduce water usage, whether it's the city that's doing better waste management and recycling, those initiatives are being led by municipal government, and the provincial government can learn from them. There is uh, incentives to put solar panel power or solar panels on your homes to help build your homes. My home municipality of Hinton, we have what's called a leadership and environmental engineering and design strategy for our municipally owned buildings. We built affordable housing projects that have recycled paint, low E emission glass, recycled carpet materials, and it came in at the lowest cost per door of any affordable housing project in Alberta. This can be done, is my point. And so, yes, it can and should be led by municipalities, but provincial governments need to ensure that they're following the lead that municipalities are providing. When it comes to royalties, I can't stand here with any degree of confidence in saying that we actually need to collect any more taxes at all because I'm not sure that we're fully utilizing the monies that we currently collect. We have to start with a position of, one, open, transparent, accountable budgeting. Monies that we collect, what are we using them for? And when, can we be more efficient in the use of the tax dollars and use of the services that we currently need to provide the services that we have in Alberta? And I don't mean by efficiencies we're going to go lay off a bunch of public servants. It's also about restoring trust in the public service. For example, oil sands monitoring, like we were talking about with the previous questioner, that's a, that should be done by government, not by industry. You don't put the, the foxes in charge of the hen house back where I come from, but there needs to be respect for the role of, of public service. So when it comes to royalties, I'm not in a position to say we need to collect more or less. We need first to have an understanding of what we're currently collecting and what we're doing with it. Are we fully utilizing the skills of the people that are employed by the government today to provide the services we need? For example, are nurses fully able to utilize their skill set in the context of delivering health care services today? We don't believe they are. But until we have that discussion, we're not just going to go out there and say royalty revenues need to be raised, blank, slate, end of story. But we are very willing to say that the energy economy of today, like I said earlier, should be better utilized to build a new energy future and new energy um, options for tomorrow. It's not enough for Alberta to strive to be the best in Canada. Alberta needs to strive to be the best for Canada, and thereby Canada can be the best for the world, and that's a different discussion. And so, a long-winded answer to, I just don't know. Because we're not there yet, we don't know the numbers yet, and we're not sure that we're fully utilizing the services that are currently available. But I do believe that energy industry has a responsibility to pay their fair share. And these resources belong to Albertans and should be used to the best benefit of Albertans. And we have to start acting like we're responsible landowners. A friend of mine described it, and this will probably go out on YouTube or Twitter, but a friend of mine described what we're doing currently with our energy resources is not unlike a landlord that owns a building that he's leased out to a frat at the university. And the frat boys are kicking the heck out of the room in the house and we're not taking ownership of our responsibility of looking after that home anymore. What I'm suggesting is we have to be much more responsible with the resources that God blessed us with or whatever deity you might believe blessed us with this and ensure that we're responsible for future generations. Okay, thanks very much. Next question, please. You probably limit my answers rather than yeah, the length I'll of their catch questions. You up, don't you okay, worry. thank you. <laughs> thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Mr. Taylor, I appreciate you standing up for what you believe is right. 
I do too, and in a democratic society, that should be appreciated and awarded. My point is about the Canadian Wheat Board. We have a lot of talk about the Canadian Wheat Board, mm -hmm. a lot of information that goes out. In 1998, 31st of December, up to that date, the Canadian Wheat Board was operated by the government for the farmers. That changed in, in 1st of January 1999. After that, it's operated by the farmers for the farmers. In 1998, as now, the issue is the same. How are we selling our grain? The open market or the single desk? The open marketers lost the election in 1998, 2002, 2004, 2006, 2008, 2010. You heard that right. Six elections they have lost. And now the plebiscite, they lost that too. Our provincial government and the Wild Rose Alliance and the federal government want to treat the losers of an election like they w put them on the podium like they won a gold medal on the Olympics. What's your party stand on the democracy and this whole process? Thank you. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Um, well, first off, for me, democracy means that when a vote takes place, the majority should um, be held sway, and that's, that's the whole point of democracy, is that you have an open and free voting system. Our concern with the Canadian Wheat Board is it's almost like the game's been rigged to begin with. For example, it's almost like it's being gamed a little bit. Is the question accurate? Are the right people being able to answer that question? And what's in the best interest of farmers, both large and small? So we do have a policy on this, and it was actually led by, and all of our policy actually gets developed by volunteers after we go through our big listen process. People that have a special interest come together and put the policy together. So our policy when it comes to agricultural issues was designed by a young farmer just a little bit north, or excuse me, it was led by a young farmer just a little bit north of Red Deer. And the perspective is essentially this, and it just came out last week, so I'm not intimately familiar with it, but I'll give you the gist of it. The wheat board needs to be set in such a way that it's effective for those that need it, but it's not something that is forced on those that don't. Which would then also eliminate trade unions who make collective agreements as well? No, it's because... It's basically the same thing. Oh, well, I don't believe it is. And no, as a politician, no. I'm probably not supposed to stand up here and take a firm position. But no. I don't believe it is because, again, people have a choice of association as whether or not to join, and not everybody in every industry has to join. And so there's a fundamental difference between a trade union and the Canadian Wheat Board. Ultimately, it needs to be founded on a democratic process, but it does need to be changed to reflect the realities of an emerging world about how can we benefit from it, who can benefit from it, and those that need it, it should be there. Those that don't need it should be able to advance in a free market as best they can and not be forced into one or the other. Thank you. For You're your welcome. Expressing You're welcome. your difference to my opinion. That's why I vote for a different party. You. You're very welcome. Okay. Thanks very much. Now, our next speaker was either sitting too far away and I couldn't see her, or she wasn't in the room when I recognized the politicians. And Bev Mundell Atherston is the NDP candidate for Little Bow, if I have it correctly. Thank you, Madam, Trevor. you have the floor. Thank you. <laughs> I was a little bit late. I'm sorry. Thank you so much. Uh, I really enjoyed your talk. Um, I agree with you. I think there's a fresh wind of change in Alberta. Um, when you talked about the education tax, most of it going to Edmonton and only a certain percentage coming back, back to the municipality, ostensibly this is so that the rural areas with small small schools and small population base can get some money. That's right, yes. And that the big areas 
<clears throat> would have more money to, to help support them. But clearly that, that is not the whole story, as you're explaining to us. Uh, so it seems to me from your discussion, you're talking about the downloading of a political ideology from the province onto the municip municipalities through regulation. The regulation downloads that political ideology onto us in our daily lives. So education is just one factor. But also at the electrical level, um, we see it quite clearly, such as the electricity rates by the power company that the, that the city of Lethbridge supports um, because they cannot buy long -term, a long-term contract because of those mm -hmm. provincial regulations. People who have that company have to pay high rates. Um, we also lost our power generation uh, capabilities because of provincial regulations. And um, someone was just telling me that one of the problems... And, the, and you're coming to your question? Yes. One of the problems that <laughs> municipalities have is the photovoltaic panels uh, can't necessarily be put up unless... Because, the again, the, the province has the regulations over the municipalities. So it, it seems to me that... Um, your whole position would give more power to individuals, whether they're in a municipality, um, more, more power locally than, we, than we would have if we vote provincially. Um, how do you think the government, the ruling party, would uh, respond to your party realizing that they would lose their death grip on control? Well, Thank you. Uh, with resistance. <laughs> that, that's, that's how they respond to us. This, this is really very much about power, not responsibility. Um, we believe that municipally elected governments, locally elected school boards, and decision makers in health care uh, are responsible orders of government and decision makers that are held accountable and can be held accountable to their decisions and their actions at a local level. This will not be well received by the provincial government. Um, and there's many other examples of issues like this that will not be received by the provincial government because they're still trying to they're still trying to perfect the politics of yesterday, and we're talking about a new direction and a new future. We're, and we are talking very much about expanding it just beyond municipal and locally elected folks. We're proposing areas of government that involve the internet, for example, um, Gov 2.0. It's called where policy is designed by people that choose to show up and get engaged, not just in the back rooms by a few government-appointed people. We are talking deliberately and very directly about citizen engagement. And so, in all these areas that you talked about, including the school boards, for example, and the abilities for school, I also said in my comments that one size does not fit all, and that we have a responsibility to one another, including our neighbors. So there are communities quite clearly, could not support a school on their own and shouldn't be expected to. But they should also not be held back from delivering education that's in the best interest of their children so that those children can have every opportunity in today's world as well. And we need to find those solutions that make sense for those communities. And that does mean that there will be transfer between jurisdictions. That does mean there is a provincial responsibility to ensure that there is equitable treatment that makes sense to that community where they are going to school. And I'm speaking from experience on this. During my time as chairman of Rural Alberta's Development Fund, we, we funded, in spite of government, um, some very strong initiatives, such as the Warner School uh, Hockey School for Girls, um, which was a way for that community to save its school and also start to build a new economic dynamic for their community. Um, it's about thinking differently and being willing to act. And that's, that's really the key about what the Alberta Party is talking about. Okay, Thank thanks very much. Next question, please.
Douglas Mitchell, I'm very surprised that Beverly asked that question and not about health care. So I would just like you to give us your take. A lot of us had the shivers down our spine that Gary Marr was going to be elected yes. as the Conservative Party. So I would like a clear answer on where your party stands in relation to privatization of health care and funding for health care in the province. Uh, in opposition to privatization of health care. Is that clear enough? Okay, that's on that particular one. Um, but we also believe that health care is more than the discussion that's happening in Alberta today. Health care is not just about hospital care. The Alberta Party position on a health strategy recognizes essentially that healthy living and healthy choices, including exercise and proper eating habits, are part of forming a healthy life. There needs to be more focus in schools on choices for children to lead healthier lives. We also have an individual responsibility um, for those of us that can to ensure that we live healthy and act healthy. So there is an individual component to this as well. So it starts with healthy living from an early age. Part of healthy living is when you do, and which, by the way, also includes workplace accidents and better, uh, better control and um, legislation of preventing workplace accidents. But when you do get sick or do have an accident, then the health care has to be provided in the hospital setting to help you recover or adapt to your new reality, depending on what might have happened to you as an individual. So there's a responsibility for government to work in those areas to be more effective and more efficient in the delivery of the needs when people do become sick or injured. It also ties into seniors' care. Um, and seniors' care is, in the Alberta Party perspective, very much about ensuring that seniors can live healthier, happier lives longer in their homes. But that doesn't mean that helping seniors live in their homes is only about a community nurse. It also means how do you do light housekeeping, shovel the snow in your driveway, do your lawn maintenance. It's more than just the health component of helping seniors stay in their homes longer and how we help seniors um, maintain healthy, healthy, happy, effective lives. And then there's palliative care and how we, how we work with people as they reach end of life. This is a continuum, and it's not just a focus on hospitals. In each of those areas, we have focuses um, that will help address the challenges that we find, whether it's in the school system with teaching healthier living habits or whether it's in the hospitals with helping nurses fully utilize the skill sets that they graduate from schools with, to seniors not just being about nurses, um, to seniors' care when they have to go into areas where they have a little more care available to them than they could get at home. It's the continuum, but it's based on non-privatization, publicly funded, accessible health care to all. Okay, thanks very much. Now, this is going to have to be the last question. My name is Balabura, and uh, I'd like to thank you, uh, Glenn, for coming here and shedding light on your party's policies and platform. I won't go around uh, beating around the bush. Um, the Alberta's energy deregulation experiment had miserably failed. Where do you stand on that? Yes, it has. Um, and, and the electricity deregulation is a particular example of failure. Um, we're not afraid to revisit things and start over. One of the advantages of failing is that you've learned one way it doesn't work. 
And the more times we fail and learn from it, the better and more effective we can be when we finally get it right. So the Alberta Party would revisit that. Just as we're proposing, you can't do energy in absence of the environment. You can't do health care in absence of education and, and home care in the absence of um, uh, looking after a house. What we're, what we're proposing, and we haven't fully fleshed this out, just so if you want to go looking for policy on this, it doesn't exist yet. But I will share with you my perspective, and I'm the leader of the party, so I get to share that and lead that a little bit. And uh, my, my perspective in the Alberta Party's inclination and direction is that everything's on the table and that everything should be revisited based on, as I said earlier, scientific analysis and rigorous analysis based on the best interest of Albertans and Canada as a whole, and we start from there. And just because it's ideological that Mr. Klein introduced something in the 80s that has proven to be very ineffective doesn't mean it shouldn't be revisited. And I guess that lets me close on, that's why I have to caution you, that as much hope as we might have about a new leader of the PC party with a fairly progressive agenda getting elected to that position, that's not a changing government. And democracy is best served when it's contested. And it's been too long since it's been well contested in Alberta. And it's time for us to take back our citizenship. It's time for us to be heard once again. And it's time for us to change government, not just their leader. So how's that for a close? Thank you so much for your time. <laughs> and uh, I really appreciate your dinner. Thanks very much, Glenn. Uh, Glenn actually has, oh, the session is now closed. But Glenn does have 20 minutes between the time he has to leave here for his next appointment. So he's happy to talk with you individually. Yes. So you're welcome to mix and mingle. Outside uh, is the policy on municipalities of the Alberta Party, which he's just released. And he's also selling memberships outside yes. of the Alberta yes, Party. Yes, we are. Thank you. And if you're curious about our other policies, albertaparty.ca, for those of you that have Internet access. albertaparty.ca.